Let's begin with the word of prayer and then we'll go into our introduction. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We do pray for those different ministries and we pray, Lord, that your will would be done according to them. Through them, we pray that you would be glorified and magnified. We pray for this morning. We pray that you would give us the right eyes to see, Lord, the right focus, the right mission. Uh, you would share with us this glorious hope that we have. Pray that you would be working in each and every one of us this morning through the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I said it last week. I'll say it again. All of the chapters and verses, they're not divinely inspired. Man put them there so we would know where to go when we're quoting a different verse. And I say that because as we jump into chapter 5, it's connected to chapter 4. So I'm going to read of the few of the last verses of chapter 4. It says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, connecting to all the trials that Paul was talking about, all the different physical, spiritual, emotional things that he's gone through to preach the gospel, and then he connects it together. And then he says there, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So he's transitioning to talk about this invisible work that's taking place, talking about how our outward, our person is perishing, but we are being renewed day by day. And then he continues, verse 17, 18, he says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, this is the important part, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Today we're going to talk about that far more eternal way to glory. We're going to talk about what our future is. And it's been said that you can be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. That is the biggest load of rubbish I've ever heard. Because you cannot be any earthly good unless you're heavenly minded. And we're going to see that today. And so we're going to take those verses there where he talks about the invisible, where he talks about the perishing, where he talks about our future hope. And we're going to apply them. But before we go into verse 1, I, I want you guys to know something. In chapter 12 of this book, and we'll get there in like a decade or two, if the Lord tarries. In chapter 12, Paul, in the third person, tells us that either he had a vision or he died and went to heaven when he was stoned in Corinth. Or not in Corinth, but he's telling the Corinthians. And he was stoned with rocks, and they dragged him out of the city gates, and it says he went into the third heaven. And he saw things which no man can utter. He, he was speaking about heaven. He saw it, but he couldn't even tell them. It was illegal in the Greek. It says the words don't exist to describe what he saw. And what does he do when he comes back to himself, whether it's a vision or, as I personally believe, I think he did die and he came back. It says that he got up and he went back into the town. How can you do that? Now, I mentioned that. Because I, I've been very frank. I've been very open about my background. I come from an a atheist, skeptical, anti-religious family. Makes me pretty skeptical. And when you hear about heaven, when you hear about afterlife, when you hear about death, to me, the way I was raised, you hear myths, nice lies you tell your kids to make them feel good. You have fantasies, just stories. And there's many people with many religions. They have all kinds of stories. And today we're going to talk about the invisible. We're going to talk about the future. We're going to talk about places we've never been to. 
Let's start, however, with verse 1 of chapter 5. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. That's just too good to be true, right? It seems ludicrous that we have a, a paradise that we will live in to eternity. Now, remember that Paul has been talking about these things, and in chapter 4, he told us that we, these perishing bodies, we're like earthly vessels, earthen vessels. Remember in verse 7 of chapter 4, it says, but we have this treasure in earthly, earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. What was he talking about? He's not talking about fine china. He's not talking about brass or bronze vessels. Things are going to last a long time. The poor people, the regular Joes, the people like me, you would have earthen clay pots, and that's what you would do your cooking in. That's what you would do your storage in. But if you cracked one, it's worthless. If you broke it, it's not as strong. And so they would take those pots, those broken pots, they just throw them out and get a new one. Cheap, replaceable. Here in verse 1, he says that our bodies are like tents. They're temporary. They're wearing out. You see, the truth of it is we're all dying one breath at a time, one heartbeat at a time. Minute by minute, we are all deteriorating. We're falling apart. We're not getting better. Now, I know some of you are like, amen, I feel it every day. The issue is that all we know in our senses is the physical, the here and now. And so we spend so much time trying to take care of this tent. Some of you spent some time this morning in front of the mirror. You're spackling yourself, trying to hide some of the cracks. You know, you're coloring it. You're working on it. You know, if you're like me, you get up, your wife comes at you and says, oh, you need to go brush your teeth, go take your, comb your hair. You look terrible. And you're trying to make this temporary thing look better, feel better. And yet here, Paul is saying, even though we are perishing, God is making us a future building, something permanent, something eternal. And even though we are deteriorating and falling apart, our point of greatest failure, our death, if, we, if the Lord tarries and we're not raptured, your weakest moment will be your greatest victory in Christ. You see, the Bible tells us that we're going to put off corruption and we're going to be made into incorruption. Where does it say that? Well, in 1 Corinthians, the previous epistle, in chapter 15, it says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. It's not going up. It doesn't want to. Tim, you're going to have to hit that slide because it's not connecting. So 1 Corinthians 15, 50. 1 Corinthians 15, 50. All right, you just got to trust me. We're going to read it. You're going to have to open, flip the pages to that Bible. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. 
For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Tim, you broke it. He's working on it. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall, then shall be brought to pass the saying. What does it, what does it say about this saying? Death is swallowed up in victory. Ain't no problem like a technical problem. Death is swallowed up in victory. So more of this future hope, of all of this um, stories and fantasies and mythology. At least that's our perception on this earth. That's our perception alive right now. Tim, I got to abandon using my notes, so I need you to do my notes for me. So if you could get me to the slide right after verse 54, please. Perfect. Now, my grandparents, they... I'm going to tell a story now. I'm also going to say, because it's probably live online right now, and I'm going to mess up the details. I'm going to get a phone call that my details are a little hazy because I wasn't there. I heard this all second. Now, my grandparents and my mom's side, they're from the Netherlands. They're from Holland. Um, they were born, raised there. And my grandparents, either in the late 60s or the early 70s, they took a trip to the United States. And they were so blown away by the, that trip that they knew they were going to immigrate to the United States. They, they just knew they had to come here. The issue is that when they went home, they're raising two daughters, my mom and my, my aunt, the sisters. And so for the next few decades, because that's how hard it was to immigrate to the United States at that time, they're learning English, they're preparing themselves. You know, my mom would tell me stories about how she'd want to buy something and she would hear, no, 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 we're moving to the United States. We can't take that with us. No, we're not going to do that. Year after year after year. But my grandparents had been to the United States. They'd seen it. They knew where they were going. The kids, not so much. Not so much. They didn't understand where they were going to. And, and it wasn't until 1984 that they were actually able to immigrate to the United States of America. The problem was it was my mom's senior year of high school. So imagine you leave your country, your language, you move to another country, and your final year in high school, you're going to uh, start in a foreign country in a foreign language. Yeah, she had enough of that. About a, she graduated, joined the Army, and left. Now, I'm saying that because we, too, are hearing about this future place that we're going to. It's going to be better. It's going to be great. And it just sounds like a story. It just, it's too good to be true. And so we just live for today. We were just trying to make this happen today. But what we don't think about is that millions and millions of Christians before us have died, and the moment they closed their eyes, they went into paradise. They went into the presence of God. And they are there. And I mentioned Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, how he too has been there. And then most importantly, we have Jesus himself, who came from the throne room of God, inhabited, became a man, died, rose again to say, hey, I've been there too. And so it's not just a story. It's not just a sweet song just to make us feel better for ourselves. And Paul is now saying from experience here in chapter 5, we are a tent, we're perishing, we're falling away, we're fall, we are fading away, excuse me, but that we have a future hope and a kingdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul wrote in the previous epistle in verse 50, Now this I say, brethren, 
that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Next verse. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then we shall be brought to pass that saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. That's the key. That we have, I think we read that already, didn't we? Well, man, we just be messing up all kinds of stuff today. Something, something important with this message to have that much warfare. What we're getting at, though, is that even though we are falling apart, there is a future kingdom that other brothers and sisters are at currently, that we are falling apart, and that we just have the wrong mentality. Now, Paul's going to tell us that now in verse 2 through 5. It says, for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up in life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the spirit as a guarantee. Now, we talk about the groaning of this tent. Remember, it's falling apart. It's getting worse. And I think about like an old house. Have you ever slept in an old house? And then you hear the old beams and the old nails that's creaking in the middle of the night as it's beginning to settle. The weight, the pressure, the fatigue, the stress on that old building as it's settling. And that's us. We're grinding down. We're falling apart. But that's not what it says here, does it? If we take that word groaning out of context, what are we groaning for? It says we should be groaning, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. You see, we're going from having an earthly mentality and just living for today, but we should be groaning and yearning for the future home. The problem is we've never seen it. We don't understand it. And so the Bible tells us that we have a faith in Hebrews 11.1, 1, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Notice it's the evidence of things not seen. Yes, it's invisible. Yes, we've not been there. Yes, we don't know. But I am a skeptic. You're not going to ask me to put my life in the hands of some story. The Muslims think they're going a certain way. The Hindus think they're going a certain way. Judaism, Buddhists, they all have these make-believe stories about where they think they're going when they die or not. But the Bible tells us it's the evidence of things not seen, evidence like the saints themselves, their testimony. History, outside of the Bible, extra-biblical writings that show us that these guys, when they say these things, they really exist. They really were there. The artifacts, you can fly in a plane right now, get your spatula, your spade out, and you go into the desert, and you can dig up the artifacts that show us that these people lived the way that it says. You have your testimonies, testimonies here of lives changed. 
And then we have the most important evidence in all of us. That's what it says here, sealed with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 1, 13 to 14, it says, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of, glo of his glory. So the Holy Spirit is indwelling in us. You guys remember layaway? I, I told you about my mom, right? How she came to the United States, senior in high school. She joined the army. My mom and dad got together. They ended up separating. So my mom, she's raising two boys, my brother and I. She is in the army. She's going to school. She's becoming a nurse. And so things were a little tight. And I remember going down to the store and having something on layaway. You guys remember that? So this, this will be coming back soon, I think. And you would go there, and what would you do? You'd put a deposit on it, and then week by week or month, you know, you'd put a little bit more towards it until you could finally take the thing home. Well, Paul is saying here that we have been given the Holy Spirit as a deposit from God, that when we die, we're going to heaven for eternity. And we're going to have a whole new body. And this thing that we're putting so much time into, it's not all that it's cracked up to be. Now, a lot of you either had kids, have kids, or know of kids. I don't know if yours have done it. Mine have. You go to the store. You're in the aisleway. They ask you if you can have something, and you say no. And they didn't have their nap. It's been a bad day. What do they do? They fall on their back, screaming, crying, moaning. Now, I'm a, a, born, a man born out of due time. I don't allow that in my house. So there's some, something gets taken care of there. I'm not sitting there reasoning with my child in the, in the grocery store or the, the store. Same thing's true of the Lord. He loves those who he chastens, right? And so he gets a hold of us and says, listen, get in the car. We're going home. But you just want to sit there spiritually here in this life right now, just complaining about what you're not getting. My job, Lord, my health, Lord, my career, my spouse. Uh, and he's like, just get in the car. You're going home anyway. You're going home anyway. This is not that big of a deal. There are greater things. And listen, unless we have that mentality that we're going to go home, this is not our home. Unless we have that mentality, yeah, just leave it here. We're immigrating to another place anyway. You'll be no earthly good here because you'll be distracted and focused on the wrong things. You see, we have the Holy Spirit in us, the paracletus, the helper, the alongside. We have the third person of the Trinity inside of us working in us preparing us that when we have that moment of greatest weakness, every one of you, if you're not raptured, you're going to die, will be your greatest moment of victory because he that comes alongside us will lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. He goes with us because he's gone before us. He says, here, I've been here before. Let's go. I'll take you with me. I won't be there. I can't walk you through there. Jesus will be there. His rod and his staff will comfort you as you walk this life. But we have to have the right focus, the right mentality. And that's what's written here in verses 6 through 8. In verses 6 through 8, it says, So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are pres absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. 
I'm going to tell you guys a, a personal story. It's a little sad, so if you're, if you're given to the tears, make sure you get your hankies out. But I, I'm not sorrowful about it. I remember my wife and I being in the doctor's office with our first child. And the doctor looked at us, and the doctor said that the fetus is not viable. The problem is that very early in the pregnancy, but not early enough, um, my wife began to deliver the child. And the doctor was saying, you know, that the, the fetus, the thing that was growing in her was not viable. And so they didn't know what to do. They want to describe it as like a clump of cells, as like it's not a real living person. The issue is that the child is too far along. So my wife is going to give birth to this child that's going to enter the kingdom. And, and then we got all mixed up. They, they were going to give us a birth certificate. Then they were not going to give us a birth certificate. Then they gave us a death certificate. They told us to go get it. And then they said, no, you can't have a death certificate without a birth certificate. So then they just gave us a piece of paper. They didn't know what to do. And they kept messing it up. And here I am. This is our first child, mind you. And I remember when my daughter was born, I held her. She's a pound. She had hands, her feet. You could see her face. You know, we held her for a little while. They didn't, they didn't know what to do. But this scripture is telling us that every soul, every time that DNA collects into a, a unique individual, that they go into the kingdom of heaven. I personally believe that all children before the age of accountability go into the presence of God. I know without, with complete certainty, not opinion, that the children of believers go instantly into the kingdom. What is that age of accountability? I have no idea. Only the Lord knows. The point is this. Every soul matters. There are people that are born handicapped mentally or physically. They don't have the same ability as we do. There are children that are aborted. There are children that are miscarried. There are children that die in infancy. There are people that are, get sick. There are people that die in tragic deaths. And every single soul matters. And they live for eternity. I don't sorrow over this. Why? Because in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those that have died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. I have hope. I do not sorrow. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep for the lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of god and the dead in christ will rise first then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the lord therefore comfort one another with these words our our firstborn our daughter went instantaneously into the kingdom into the arms of god and it's easy for me to sit in the grocery store of life and just pitch a fit. Lord, how could you allow this to me? Aren't, don't I serve you? Don't I love you? Aren't I in ministry? And you better believe I did pitch a fit the second time when my son went to be with the Lord. Same exact thing happened. And you just sit there complaining to God. And, but you're not thinking. You're not earnestly yearning for the kingdom to come like it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That... To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. They're, my children are with the king, and I will be reunited with them. 
either when I die or I'm raptured, I will be gathered together in the name of Jesus, will be there. And they're not going to be complaining. That's just me sitting there, pitching a fit, complaining to God, because I'm not thinking about the future. And so Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians, hey, don't sorrow as if you have no hope. You better believe I cried like a baby. You better believe I struggled and I frustrated, but ultimately I leaned on God. But here's the key. Every human soul is going to live forever and ever and ever with a perfect new body. That's not a fantasy. That's just not some encouraging words to make you feel better. It is a fact based on the evidence of things not seen, based on the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And just as he ascended into heaven, he shall likewise return for us in his church. We, we cremated our two children. It's going to be fascinating to see those cells come up out of the ground. I don't know how he's going to do it. It's going to be fun to watch. Not my problem. That's his. He'll make it work. And we're going to be there in the kingdom. And so I know this is a faux pas, but I have a tattoo on my arm. It's got my two children's name, and it says 2 Corinthians 5.8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. A gracious, uh, just a hope, a present hope that when I die, I will be in his presence. Now, let's read verses 9 through 11 together. It says, therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are all well known to God, and I also trust we are, all well, we are well known in your consciences. I want, I want you to think for a minute. What is the context in which 2 Corinthians is being written? Remember, they're looking for super apostles, apostles that had great eloquent speeches. They had certificates saying how great they are. They had high wages. They were making good money. And Paul says, you guys are impressed by this? Remember the last few chapters, he said he's been scourged, beaten, shipwrecked. All these things he did, he counted as lost for Christ because of the gospel's sake. And now he has taken their earthly problems and he's just gone to a heavenly plane and just says, what does all this stuff really matter? Nothing. You need to press onward towards heaven and you need to live for that moment when you enter the kingdom and you're in the throne room of God. We're going to add another bit of complexity to it. I think of my two children that will be there. They never got a chance to live this life, to run this race. And you're going to be there in front of souls that were aborted, children that died in infancy, those that died of, of health issues, those that were mentally or physically handicapped. They didn't have the privilege that you have in your sufferings, in your trial, in your life right now. They don't have your privilege. And they, what would they do with your life right now? What would they do with your experiences? I know one thing, and this is the beauty of hindsight. They're not going to be sitting in the aisle of that grocery store pitching a fit to the father. Because by the time you get home, you realize, man, that was not that big of a deal. Why am I so distracted by these earthly things? Why am I so distracted by this tent, these things that I'm going to cast off? Why am I so distracted, so upset, so anxious, so depressed? We need to realize the privilege of life to be able to breathe, to think, the ability that we have, the privilege of relationships we have, the age in which we live. Not everyone gets the privilege to live the life to the fullest like we do. 
And we need to live so that in that glorious moment, when you are face to face with Jesus, who's resurrected your body out of the grave or harpozoed your life right out of this dimension, you will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest of, my, of the Lord. What did you do with this privilege? Whatever your age is, whatever your situation, whatever point of deterioration your body is, you can redeem the day. You can do the work of evangelism. You can dedicate your life to Christ. And you can take your mind off of these silly things that distract you and remind yourselves that this is only temporary. And you can begin to enjoy the privilege of life as you're able to press forward with him. Remember earlier in the chapter, he said, we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. A friction of wanting to be in the kingdom and yet not. Knowing that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We want to walk by faith and not by sight. Are you making it your aim, verse 9, to be present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him? What is your aim? Or is your aim to make this tent as comfortable and nice-looking as possible for as long as possible? Because it's all going to be temporary anyway. You're just going to cast it off. It's just going to continue to deteriorate. Or should we be investing in a kingdom that is to come? Having a mindset of realizing, yeah, you know, sooner or later we're going home. Sooner or later we're immigrating to another country, a heavenly country where our permanent residence is. You see, whatever the age is, whatever the situation is, for all those who call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. And Jesus, when he's teaching this parable about the good shepherd, he says something really important in John 10. He says, all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. That's all those other myths that are out there. John 10, verse 8. But the sheep do not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me and will go in and out, excuse me, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. And then in verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. My prayer is that as you leave today, you realize that maybe, maybe you're complaining about the wrong things. Maybe you're focused on the wrong things. Maybe you have relationship issues. Maybe you have financial problems, business problems, physical problems, whatever those problems are. You take your gaze up and realize and set your mind on heaven and groan for the kingdom and yearn for that revival that moment that you're with the Lord in your new glorious body. And you remind yourself today the privilege of life, the privilege of every breath, every heartbeat, all your experiences, and live life more abundantly through Christ, knowing that all of this is temporary and soon we will be forever with him, reunited with all of our brothers and sisters who have gone before us, Reunited in a kingdom where we will not be discussing why, Lord, did you allow this? We'll be saying, I'll praise you, Lord, 
for what you have done, are doing, and are going to continue to do. Thank you for who you are. And I pray that we leave here living life far more abundantly for him, waiting for that moment when we see him face to face. Will he be pleased? Or will he not? Let's pray. Lord, what a privilege, life. What a privilege, grace, mercy, a relationship with you. Help us to understand the evidence of things not seen. Help us to walk by faith and not by sight. And yet, Lord, that reasonable understanding of the truth, you have left us so much evidence. You've given us so many things to know that that future hope is true. We pray that we would walk worthy of your name and worthy of your calling and that we would leave here encouraged, Lord, living life more abundantly. We thank you for that that paraclete, the Holy Spirit in us. We pray that he would come alive and lead us and direct us, that we wouldn't quench him through our own actions, Lord. Give us the heavenly mindset, Lord, so that we can truly be earthly good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we'll be up here ready to pray with you, share stories with you. We pray that you're encouraged. God bless you and have a wonderful week.